Chapter 13 In Pendleton Woods Pollyanna had not turned her steps toward home when she left the chapel. She had turned them instead toward Pendleton Hill. It had been a hard day, for all it had been a vacation one, as she termed the infrequent days when there was no sewing or cooking lesson, and Pollyanna was sure that nothing would do her quite so much good as a walk through the green quiet of Pendleton Woods. Up Pendleton Hill, therefore, she climbed steadily, in spite of the warm sun on her back. I don't have to get home till half past five anyway, she was telling herself, and it'll be so much nicer to go around by the way of the woods, even if I do have to climb to get there. It was very beautiful in the Pendleton Woods, as Pollyanna knew by experience, but today it seemed even more delightful than ever, notwithstanding her disappointment over what she must tell Jimmy Bean tomorrow. I wish they were up here, all those ladies who talked so loud, sighed Pollyanna to herself, raising her eyes to the patches of vivid blue between the sunlit green of the treetops. Anyhow, if they were up here, I just reckon they'd change and take Jimmy Bean for their little boy, all right, she finished, secure in her conviction, but unable to give a reason for it, even to herself. Suddenly, Pollyanna lifted her head and listened. A dog had barked some distance ahead. A moment later, he came dashing toward her, still barking. Hello, doggy. Hello. Pollyanna snapped her fingers at the dog and looked expectantly down the path. She had seen the dog once before, she was sure. He had been then with the man, Mr. John Pendleton. She was looking now, hoping to see him. For some minutes, she watched eagerly, but he did not appear. Then she turned her attention toward the dog. The dog, as even Pollyanna could see, was acting strangely. He was still barking, giving little short, sharp yelps, as if of alarm. He was running back and forth, too, in the path ahead. Soon they reached a side path, and down this the little dog fairly flew, only to come back at once, whining and barking. Oh, that isn't the way home, laughed Pollyanna, still keeping to the main path. The little dog seemed frantic now. Back and forth, back and forth, between Pollyanna and the side path he vibrated, barking and whining pitifully. Every quiver of his little brown body and every glance from his beseeching brown eyes were eloquent with appeal. So eloquent that at last, Pollyanna understood, turned, and followed him. Straight ahead now, the little dog dashed madly, and it was not long before Pollyanna came upon the reason for it all. A man, lying motionless at the foot of a steep, overhanging mass of rocks a few yards from the side path. A twig cracked sharply under Pollyanna's foot, and the man turned his head. With a cry of dismay, Pollyanna ran to his side. Mr. Pendleton! Oh, are you hurt? Hurt? Oh, no, I'm just taking a siesta in the sunshine, snapped the man irritably. See here, how much do you know? What can you do? Have you got any sense? Pollyanna caught her breath with a little gasp, but, as was her habit, she answered the questions literally, one by one. Why, Mr. Pendleton, I... I don't know so very much, 
I can't do a great many things. But most of the ladies' aiders, except Mrs. Rawson, said I had real good sense. I heard him say so one day. They didn't know I heard, though. The man smiled grimly. There, there, child, I beg your pardon, I'm sure. It's only this confounded leg of mine. Now, listen. He paused, and with some difficulty reached his hand into his trousers pocket, and brought out a bunch of keys, singling out one between his thumb and forefinger. Straight through the path there, about five minutes' walk, is my house. This key will admit you to the side door under the porte cochere. Do you know what a porte cochere is? Oh, yes, sir. Auntie has one with a sun parlor over it. That's the roof I slept on. Only, I didn't sleep, you know. They found me. Huh? Oh. Well, when you get into the house, go straight through the vestibule and hall to the door at the end. On the big, flat-topped desk in the middle of the room, you'll find a telephone. Do you know how to use a telephone? Oh, yes, sir. Why, once when Aunt Polly... Never mind Aunt Polly now, cut in the man scowlingly as he tried to move himself a little. Hunt up Dr. Thomas Chilton's number on the card you'll find somewhere around there. It ought to be on the hook down at the side, but it probably won't be. You know a telephone card, I suppose, when you see one. Oh, yes, sir. I just love Aunt Polly's. There's such a lot of queer names, and... Tell Dr. Chilton that John Pendleton is at the foot of Little Eagle Ledge in Pendleton Woods with a broken leg, and to come at once with a stretcher and two men. He'll know what to do besides that. Tell him to come by the path from the house. A broken leg? Oh, Mr. Pendleton, how perfectly awful, shuddered Pollyanna. But I'm so glad I came. Can't I do... Yes, you can, but evidently you won't. Will you go and do what I ask and stop talking? Moaned the man faintly. And with a little sobbing cry, Pollyanna went. Pollyanna did not stop now to look up at the patches of blue between the sunlit tops of the trees. She kept her eyes on the ground to make sure that no twig nor stone tripped her hurrying feet. It was not long before she came in sight of the house. She had seen it before, though never so near as this. She was almost frightened now at the massiveness of the great pile of gray stone with its pillared verandas and its imposing entrance. Pausing only a moment, however, she sped across the big neglected lawn and around the house to the side door under the porte cochere. Her fingers, stiff from their tight clutch upon the keys, were anything but skillful in their efforts to turn the bolt in the lock. But at last, the heavy, carved door swung slowly back on its hinges. Pollyanna caught her breath. In spite of her feeling of haste, she paused a moment and looked fearfully through the vestibule to the wide, somber hall behind her, her thoughts in a whirl. This was John Pendleton's house, the house of mystery, the house into which no one but its master entered, the house which sheltered somewhere, a skeleton. Yet she, Pollyanna, was expected to enter alone these fearsome rooms, 
and telephoned the doctor that the master of the house lay now. With a little cry, Pollyanna, looking neither to the right nor the left, fairly ran through the hall to the door at the end and opened it. The room was large and somber with dark woods and hangings like the hall, but through the west window the sun threw a long shaft of gold across the floor, gleamed dully on the tarnished brass and irons in the fireplace, and touched the nickel of the telephone on the great desk in the middle of the room. It was toward this desk that Pollyanna hurriedly tiptoed. The telephone card was not on its hook. It was on the floor. But Pollyanna found it and ran her shaking forefinger down through the seas to Chilton. In due time, she had Dr. Chilton himself at the other end of the wires and was tremblingly delivering her message and answering the doctor's terse, pertinent questions. This done, she hung up the receiver and drew a long breath of relief. Only a brief glance did Pollyanna give about her, then, with a confused vision in her eyes of crimson draperies, book-lined walls, a littered floor, an untidy desk, innumerable closed doors, any one of which might conceal a skeleton, and everywhere dust, 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 she fled back through the hall to the great carved door, still half open as she had left it. In what seemed, even to the injured man, an incredibly short time, Pollyanna was back in the woods at the man's side. Well, what is the trouble? Couldn't you get in? He demanded. Pollyanna opened wide her eyes. Why, of course I could. I'm here, she answered. As if I'd be here if I hadn't got in. And the doctor will be right up, just as soon as possible, with the men and the things. He said he knew just where you were, so I didn't stay to show him. I wanted to be with you. Did you? Smiled the man grimly. Well, I can't say I admire your taste. I should think you might find pleasanter companions. Do you mean because you're so cross? Thanks for your frankness. Yes. Pollyanna laughed softly. But you're only cross outside. You aren't cross inside a bit. Indeed. How do you know that? asked the man, trying to change the position of his head without moving the rest of his body. Oh, lots of ways. There, like that. The way you act with the dog, she added, pointing to the long slender hand that rested on the dog's sleek head near him. It's funny how dogs and cats know the insides of folks better than other folks do, isn't it? Say, I'm going to hold your head. She finished abruptly. The man winced several times and groaned once, softly, while the change was being made. But in the end, he found Pollyanna's lap a very welcome substitute for the rocky hollow in which his head had lain before. Well, that is better, he murmured faintly. He did not speak again for some time. Pollyanna, watching his face, wondered if he were asleep. She did not think he was. He looked as if his lips were tight shut to keep back moans of pain. Pollyanna herself almost cried aloud as she looked at his great, strong body lying there so helpless. One hand, with fingers tightly clenched, lay outflung, motionless. The other, 
limply open, lay on the dog's head. The dog, his wistful, eager eyes on his master's face, was motionless too. Minute by minute, the time passed. The sun dropped lower in the west, and the shadows grew deeper under the trees. Pollyanna sat so still she hardly seemed to breathe. A bird alighted fearlessly within reach of her hand, and a squirrel whisked his bushy tail on a tree branch almost under her nose, yet with his bright little eyes all the while on the motionless dog. At last, the dog pricked up his ears and whined softly. Then he gave a short, sharp bark. The next moment, Pollyanna heard voices, and very soon their owners appeared, three men carrying a stretcher and various other articles. The tallest of the party, a smooth-shaven, kind-eyed man whom Pollyanna knew by sight as Dr. Chilton, advanced cheerily. "'Well, my little lady, playing nurse?' "'Oh, no, sir,' smiled Pollyanna. "'I've only held his head. I haven't given him a mite of medicine. But I'm glad I was here.' "'So am I.' nodded the doctor, as he turned his absorbed attention to the injured man. Chapter 14. Just a Matter of Jelly Pollyanna was a little late for supper on the night of the accident to John Pendleton, but as it happened, she escaped without reproof. Nancy met her at the door. Well, if I ain't glad to be setting my two eyes on you she sighed in obvious relief. It's half past six. I know it, admitted Pollyanna anxiously, but I'm not to blame. Truly I'm not. And I don't think even Aunt Polly will say I am either. She won't have the chance, retorted Nancy with huge satisfaction. She's gone. Gone? gasped Pollyanna. You don't mean that I've driven her away? Through Pollyanna's mind at the moment trooped remorseful memories of the morning, with its unwanted boy, cat, and dog, and its unwelcome glad and forbidden father that would spring to her forgetful little tongue. Oh, I didn't drive her away. Not much you did, scoffed Nancy. Her cousin died suddenly down to Boston, and she had to go. She had one of them yeller telegram letters after you went away this afternoon, and she won't be back for three days. Now, I guess we're glad, all right. We'll be keeping house together. Just you and me all that time. We will, we will. Pollyanna looked shocked. Glad? Oh, Nancy, when it's a funeral? Oh, but twon't the funeral I was glad for, Miss Pollyanna. It was... Nancy stopped abruptly. A shrewd twinkle came into her eyes. Why, Miss Pollyanna, as if it won yourself that was teaching me to play the game. She reproached her gravely. Pollyanna puckered her forehead into a troubled frown. I can't help it, Nancy, she argued with a shake of her head. It must be that there are some things that isn't right to play the game on, and I'm sure funerals is one of them. There's nothing in a funeral to be glad about. Nancy chuckled. We can be glad tain't ourn, she observed demurely. But Pollyanna did not hear. She had begun to tell of the accident. And in a moment, Nancy, open-mouthed, was listening. 
At the appointed place the next afternoon, Pollyanna met Jimmy Bean according to agreement. As was to be expected, of course, Jimmy showed keen disappointment that the ladies' aide preferred a little India boy to himself. Well, maybe tis natural, he sighed. Of course, things you don't know about are always nicer than things you do. Same as the potato on the other side of the plate is always the biggest. But I wish I looked that way to somebody way off. Wouldn't it be just great now if only somebody over in India wanted me? Pollyanna clapped her hands. Why, of course. That's the very thing, Jimmy. I'll write to my ladies' aiders about you. They aren't over in India. They're only out west. But that's awful far away, just the same. I reckon you'd think so if you'd come all the way here as I did. Jimmy's face brightened. Do you think they would truly take me? He asked. Of course they would. Don't they take little boys in India to bring up? Well, they can just play you are the little India boy this time. I reckon you're far enough away to make a report, all right? You wait. I'll write him. I'll write Mrs. White. No, I'll write Mrs. Jones. Mrs. White has got the most money, but Mrs. Jones gives the most. Which is kind of funny, isn't it? When you think of it. But I reckon some of the ladies' aiders will take you. All right. But don't forget to say I'll work for my board and keep, put in Jimmy. I ain't no beggar, and business is business. Even with ladies' aiders, I'm thinking. He hesitated, then added, And I suppose I better stay where I be for a spell yet. Till you hear. Of course, nodded Pollyanna emphatically. Then I'll know just where to find you. And they'll take you. I'm sure you're far enough away for that. Didn't Aunt Polly take... Say, she broke off suddenly. Do you suppose I was Aunt Polly's little girl from India? Well, if you ain't the queerest kid, grinned Jimmy as he turned away. It was about a week after the accident in Pendleton Woods that Pollyanna said to her aunt one morning, Aunt Polly, please, would you mind very much if I took Mrs. Snow's calf's foot jelly this week to someone else? I'm sure Mrs. Snow wouldn't mind this once. Dear me, Pollyanna, what are you up to now? sighed her aunt. You are the most extraordinary child. Pollyanna frowned a little anxiously. Aunt Polly, please... What is extraordinary? If you're extraordinary, you can't be ordinary, can you? You certainly cannot. Oh, that's all right then. I'm glad I'm extraordinary, sighed Pollyanna, her face clearing. You see, Mrs. White used to say Mrs. Rawson was a very ordinary woman, and she disliked Mrs. Rawson something awful. They were always fight- I mean, father had- that is, I mean- we had more trouble keeping peace between them than we did between any of the rest of the Aiders, corrected Pollyanna, a little breathless from her efforts to steer between the Scylla of her father's past commands in regard to speaking of church quarrels and the Charybdis of her aunt's present commands in regard to speaking of her father. Yes, yes, well, never mind, interposed Aunt Polly, a trifle impatiently. You do run on so, Pollyanna, and no matter what we're talking about, you always bring up at those ladies' aiders. Yes, um, 
smiled Pollyanna cheerfully. I reckon I do, maybe. But you see, they used to bring me up, and- That will do, Pollyanna, interrupted a cold voice. Now what is it about this jelly? Nothing, Aunt Polly, truly that you would mind, I'm sure. You let me take jelly to her, so I thought you would to him, this once. You see, broken legs aren't like- like lifelong invalids, so his won't last forever as Mrs. Snow's does, and she can have all the rest of the things after just once or twice. Him? He? Broken leg? What are you talking about, Pollyanna? Pollyanna stared. Then her face relaxed. Oh, I forgot. I reckon you didn't know. You see, it happened while you were gone. It was the very day you went that I found him in the woods, you know? and I had to unlock his house and telephone for the men and the doctor and hold his head and everything. And of course, then I came away and haven't seen him since. But when Nancy made the jelly for Mrs. Snow this week, I thought how nice it would be if I could take it to him instead of her, just this once. Aunt Polly, may I? Yes, yes, I suppose so, acquiesced Miss Polly, a little wearily. Who did you say he was? The man... I mean, Mr. John Pendleton. Miss Polly almost sprang from her chair. John Pendleton? Yes, Nancy told me his name. Maybe you know him. Miss Polly did not answer this. Instead, she asked, Do you know him? Pollyanna nodded. Oh, yes. He always speaks and smiles. Now. He's only cross outside, you know. I'll go and get the jelly. Nancy had it most fixed when I came in, finished Pollyanna, already halfway across the room. Pollyanna, wait. Miss Polly's voice was suddenly very stern. I've changed my mind. I would prefer that Mrs. Snow had that jelly today, as usual. That is all. You may go now. Pollyanna's face fell. Oh, but Aunt Polly, hers will last. She can always be sick and have things, you know. But his is just a broken leg, and legs don't last. I mean, broken ones. He's had it a whole week now. Yes, I remember. I heard Mr. John Pendleton had met with an accident, said Miss Polly, a little stiffly. But I do not care to be sending jelly to John Pendleton, Pollyanna. I know, he is cross outside, admitted Pollyanna, sadly. So I suppose you don't like him. But I wouldn't say twas you sent it. I'd say twas me. I like him. I'd be glad to send him jelly. Miss Polly began to shake her head again. Then, suddenly, she stopped and asked in a curiously quiet voice, Does he know who you are, Pollyanna? The little girl sighed. I reckon not. I told him my name once, but he never calls me it. Never. Does he know where you live? Oh, no. I never told him that. Then he doesn't know you're my niece. I don't think so. For a moment, there was silence. Miss Polly was looking at Pollyanna with eyes that did not seem to see her at all. The little girl... Shifting impatiently from one small foot to the other, sighed audibly. Then Miss Polly roused herself with a start. Very well, Pollyanna, she said at last, still in that queer voice, so unlike her own.
You may take the jelly to Mr. Pendleton as your own gift, but understand, I do not send it. Be very sure that he does not think I do. Yes'm, no'm, thank you, Aunt Polly, exulted Pollyanna as she flew through the door. Chapter 15, Dr. Chilton. The great gray pile of masonry looked very different to Pollyanna when she made her second visit to the house of Mr. John Pendleton. Windows were open, an elderly woman was hanging out clothes in the backyard, and the doctor's gig stood under the porte cochere. As before, Pollyanna went to the side door. This time she rang the bell. Her fingers were not stiff today from a tight clutch on a bunch of keys. A familiar-looking small dog bounded up the steps to greet her, but there was a slight delay before the woman who had been hanging out the clothes opened the door. If you please, I've brought some calf's foot jelly for Mr. Pendleton, smiled Pollyanna. Thank you, said the woman, reaching for the bowl in the little girl's hand. Who shall I say sent it? And it's calf's foot jelly? The doctor, coming into the hall at that moment, heard the woman's words and saw the disappointed look on Pollyanna's face. He stepped quickly forward. Ah, some calf's foot jelly, he asked genially. That will be fine. Maybe you'd like to see our patient, eh? Oh, yes, sir, beamed Pollyanna, and the woman, in obedience to a nod from the doctor, led the way down the hall at once, though plainly with vast surprise on her face. Behind the doctor, a young man, a trained nurse from the nearest city, gave a disturbed exclamation. But, doctor, didn't Mr. Pendleton give orders not to admit anyone? Oh, yes, nodded the doctor, imperturbably. But I'm giving orders now. I'll take the risk. Then he added whimsically, You don't know, of course, but that little girl is better than a six-quart bottle of tonic any day. If anything or anybody can take the grouch out of Pendleton this afternoon, she can. That's why I sent her in. Who is she? For one brief moment, the doctor hesitated. She's the niece of one of our best-known residents. Her name is Pollyanna Whittier. I... I don't happen to enjoy a very extensive personal acquaintance with the little lady as yet, but lots of my patients do, I'm thankful to say. The nurse smiled. Indeed. And what are the special ingredients of this wonder-working tonic of hers? The doctor shook his head. I don't know. As near as I can find out, it is an overwhelming, unquenchable gladness for everything that has happened or is going to happen. At any rate, her quaint speeches are constantly being repeated to me, and as near as I can make out, just being glad is the tenor of most of them. All is, he added, with another whimsical smile as he stepped out onto the porch. I wish I could prescribe her, and buy her, as I would a box of pills. Though, if there gets to be many of her in the world, you and I might as well go to ribbon-selling and ditch-digging for all the money we'd get out of nursing and doctoring, he laughed, picking up the reins and stepping into the gig. Pollyanna, meanwhile, in accordance with the doctor's orders, was being escorted to John Pendleton's rooms. Her way led through the great library at the end of the hall, and, rapid as was her progress through it, Pollyanna saw at once that great changes had taken place. The book-lined walls and the crimson curtains were the same, 
but there was no litter on the floor, no untidiness on the desk, and not so much as a grain of dust in sight. The telephone card hung in its proper place, and the brass andirons had been polished. One of the mysterious doors was open, and it was toward this that the maid led the way. A moment later, Pollyanna found herself in a sumptuously furnished bedroom, while the maid was saying in a frightened voice, If you please, sir, here, here's a little girl with some jelly. The doctor said I was to, to bring her in. The next moment, Pollyanna found herself alone with a very cross-looking man lying flat on his back in bed. See here, didn't I say, began an angry voice. Oh, it's you, it broke off, not very graciously as Pollyanna advanced toward the bed. Yes, sir, smiled Pollyanna. Oh, I'm so glad they let me in. You see, at first, the lady most took my jelly, and I was so afraid I wasn't going to see you at all. Then the doctor came, and he said I might. Wasn't he lovely to let me see you? In spite of himself, the man's lips twitched into a smile. But all he said was, Humph. And I've brought you some jelly, resumed Pollyanna. Calf's foot. I hope you like it. There was a rising inflection in her voice. Never ate it. The fleeting smile had gone, and the scowl had come back to the man's face. For a brief instant, Pollyanna's countenance showed disappointment, but it cleared as she set the bowl of jelly down. Didn't you? Well, if you didn't, then you can't know you don't like it anyhow, can you? So I reckon I'm glad you haven't, after all. Now, if you knew- Yes, yes, well, there's one thing I know, all right, and that is that I'm flat on my back right here this minute, and I'm liable to stay here. Till doomsday, I guess. Pollyanna looked shocked. Oh, no, it couldn't be till doomsday, you know, when the angel Gabriel blows his trumpet- unless it should come quicker than we think it will. Oh, of course, I know the Bible says it may come quicker than we think, but I don't think it will. That is, of course, I believe the Bible, but I mean, I don't think it will come as much quicker as it would if it should come now, and... John Pendleton laughed suddenly, and aloud. The nurse, coming in at that moment, heard the laugh, and beat a hurried, but a very silent, retreat. He had the air of a frightened cook who seeing the danger of a breath of cold air striking a half-done cake, hastily shuts the oven door. Aren't you getting a little mixed? asked John Pendleton of Pollyanna. The little girl laughed. Maybe, but what I mean is that legs don't last. Broken ones, you know, like lifelong invalids, same as Mrs. Snow has got. So yours won't last till doomsday at all. I should think you could be glad of that. Oh, I am retorted the man grimly. And you didn't break but one. You could be glad twasn't two. Pollyanna was warming to her task. Of course. So fortunate, sniffed the man with uplifted eyebrows. Looking at it from that standpoint, I suppose I might be glad I wasn't a centipede and didn't break 50. Pollyanna chuckled. Oh, that's the best yet, she crowed. I know what a centipede is. They've got lots of legs, and you can be glad. Oh, of course, interrupted the man sharply, all the old bitterness coming back to his voice. I can be glad, too, for all the rest, I suppose. The nurse and the doctor and that confounded woman in the kitchen. 
Why, yes, sir. Only think how bad it would be if you didn't have them. Well, I... Eh? He demanded sharply. Why, I say, only think how bad it would be if you didn't have them, and you lying here like this. As if that wasn't the very thing that was at the bottom of the whole matter, retorted the man testily. Because I am lying here like this, and yet you expect me to say I'm glad because of a fool woman who disarranges the whole house and calls it regulating, and a man who aids and abets her in it and calls it nursing, to say nothing of the doctor who eggs them both on, and the whole bunch of them, meanwhile, expecting me to pay them for it, and pay them well, too. Pollyanna frowned sympathetically. Yes, I know. That part is too bad. About the money. When you've been saving it, too, all this time. When? Eh? Saving it. Buying beans and fish balls, you know. Say, do you like beans? Or do you like turkey better only on account of the 60 cents? look a here child, what are you talking about? Pollyanna smiled radiantly. About your money, you know, denying yourself and saving it for the heathen. You see, I found out about it. Why, Mr. Pendleton, that's one of the ways I knew you weren't cross inside. Nancy told me. The man's jaw dropped. Nancy told you I was saving money for the... Well, may I inquire who Nancy is? Our Nancy. She works for Aunt Polly. Aunt Polly? Well, who is Aunt Polly? She's Miss Polly Harrington. I live with her. The man made a sudden movement. Miss Polly Harrington, he breathed. You live with her? Yes, I'm her niece. She's taken me to bring up, on account of my mother, you know, faltered Pollyanna in a low voice. She was her sister, and after father went to be with her and the rest of us in heaven, there wasn't anyone left for me down here but the lady's aid. So she took me. The man did not answer. His face, as he lay back on the pillow now, was very white. So white that Pollyanna was frightened. She rose uncertainly to her feet. I reckon maybe I'd better go now, she proposed. I, I hope you'll like the jelly. The man turned his head suddenly and opened his eyes. There was a curious longing in their dark depths, which even Pollyanna saw and at which she marveled. And so you are Miss Polly Harrington's niece, he said gently. Yes, sir. Still the man's dark eyes lingered on her face until Pollyanna feeling vaguely restless, murmured, I, I suppose you know her. John Pendleton's lips curved in an odd smile. Oh, yes, I know her, he hesitated, then went on, still with that curious smile. But you don't mean, you can't mean that it was Miss Polly Harrington who sent that jelly to me, he said slowly. Pollyanna looked distressed. No, sir, she didn't. She said I must be very sure not to let you think she did send it, but I- I thought as much, vouchsafed the man shortly, turning away his head. And Pollyanna, still more distressed, tiptoed from the room.
Under the porte cochere, she found the doctor waiting in his gig. The nurse stood on the steps. Well, Miss Pollyanna, may I have the pleasure of seeing you home? Asked the doctor, smilingly. I started to drive on a few minutes ago. Then it occurred to me that I'd wait for you. Thank you, sir. I'm glad you did. I just love to ride, beamed Pollyanna as he reached out his hand to help her in. Do you? smiled the doctor, nodding his head in farewell to the young man on the steps. Well, as near as I can judge, there are a good many things you love to do, eh? he added as they drove briskly away. Pollyanna laughed. Why, I don't know. I reckon perhaps there are, she admitted. I like to do most everything that's living. Of course, I don't like the other things very well. Sewing and reading out loud and all that. But they aren't living. No? What are they, then? Aunt Polly says they're learning to live, sighed Pollyanna with a rueful smile. The doctor smiled now, a little queerly. Does she? Well, I should think she might say just that. Yes, responded Pollyanna. But I don't see it that way at all. I don't think you have to learn how to live. I didn't, anyhow. The doctor drew a long sigh. After all, I'm afraid some of us do have to, little girl, he said. Then, for a time, he was silent. Pollyanna, stealing a glance at his face, felt vaguely sorry for him. He looked so sad. She wished, uneasily, that she could do something. It was this, perhaps, that caused her to say in a timid voice, Dr. Chilton, I should think being a doctor would be the very gladdest kind of a business there was. The doctor turned in surprise. Gladdest? When I see so much suffering always, everywhere I go, he cried. She nodded. I know, but you're helping it, don't you see? And of course you're glad to help it. And so that makes you the gladdest of any of us, all the time. The doctor's eyes filled with sudden hot tears. The doctor's life was a singularly lonely one. He had no wife and no home save his two-room office and a boarding house. His profession was very dear to him. Looking now into Pollyanna's shining eyes, he felt as if a loving hand had been suddenly laid on his head in blessing. He knew, too, that never again would a long day's work or a long night's weariness be quite without that newfound exaltation that had come to him through Pollyanna's eyes. "'God bless you, little girl,' he said unsteadily. Then, with the bright smile his patients knew and loved so well, he added, "'And I'm thinking, after all, that it was the doctor quite as much as his patients that needed a draft of that tonic.' All of which puzzled Pollyanna very much, until a chipmunk running across the road drove the whole matter from her mind. The doctor left Pollyanna at her own door, smiled at Nancy, who was sweeping off the front porch, then drove rapidly away. I've had a perfectly beautiful ride with the doctor, announced Pollyanna, bounding up the steps. He's lovely, Nancy. Is he? Yes, and I told him I should think his business would be the very gladdest one there was. What? Going to see sick folks? 
and folks what ain't sick but thinks they is, which is worse. Nancy's face showed open skepticism. Pollyanna laughed gleefully. Yes, that's most what he said, too, but there is a way to be glad even then. Guess. Nancy frowned in meditation. Nancy was getting so she could play this game of being glad quite successfully, she thought. She rather enjoyed studying out Pollyanna's posers, too, as she called some of the little girl's questions. Oh, I know, she chuckled. It's just the opposite from what you told Miss Snow. Opposite? repeated Pollyanna, obviously puzzled. Yes, you told her she could be glad because other folks wasn't like her. All sick, you know. Yes, nodded Pollyanna. Well, the doctor can be glad because he isn't like other folks. The sick ones, I mean, woody doctors, finished Nancy in triumph. It was Pollyanna's turn to frown. Why, yes, she admitted. Of course, that is one way, but it isn't the way I said. In some way, I don't seem to quite like the sound of it. It isn't exactly as if he said he was glad they were sick, but... You do play the game so funny sometimes, Nancy, she sighed as she went into the house. Pollyanna found her aunt in the sitting room. Who was that man? The one who drove into the yard, Pollyanna? Questioned the lady a little sharply. Why, Aunt Polly, that was Dr. Chilton. Don't you know him? Dr. Chilton? What was he doing here? He drove me home. Oh, and I gave the jelly to Mr. Pendleton and... Miss Polly lifted her head quickly. Pollyanna, he did not think I sent it? Oh, no, Aunt Polly. I told him he didn't. Miss Polly grew a sudden vivid pink. You told him I didn't. Pollyanna opened wide her eyes at the remonstrative dismay in her aunt's voice. Why, Aunt Polly, you said to. Aunt Polly sighed. I said, Pollyanna, that I did not send it, and for you to be very sure that he did not think I did, which is a very different matter from telling him outright that I did not send it. And she turned vexedly away. Dear me, well, I don't see where the difference is, sighed Pollyanna, as she went to hang her hat on the one particular hook in the house, upon which Aunt Polly had said that it must be hung. Thank you, again, for continuing to join us for each episode of Storylight. And if you're new to us, we send you the warmest welcome. Whether you're a new listener or an old friend, we at Storylight would be very grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast and give it a nice rating and review on whatever platform you listen. More than that, though... We would love for more people to be able to enjoy these stories. So please, tell a friend about us. You are my joy. You are my happy thoughts. We'll see you next time.